Good morning. My name is Ian. I'm one of the site pastors here, as Ellie said, with my wife Sophie, who has just popped over there with my little boy. And we are, it's so good to see you guys this morning. Isn't it good to be together again? And I really, it was wonderful to hear Gemma just share about the kids' church that we have, Vineyard Kids. I am excited as someone who has a little, a little boy uh, who's only three months old. I'm excited that he can grow up to be encouraged to meet with Jesus and learn about him, and know what it is to worship him and pray to the Lord. And it is amazing what our Vineyard Kids team do week in, week out to make that happen. So I just want to encourage you as well, if you're thinking about joining that team, come and speak to us, fill out one of those forms, and we would love to get you involved because it is so worth investing in their future, knowing the Lord. So thank you for sharing, Gemma. If I'm sounding a bit raspy this morning, that's because I'm a little under the weather. I got about three hours sleep last night. Our boy Robin slept through the night. Oh, I'm getting sympathy. That's good. That's good. Bear with me. When my voice is gone by the end of this talk, you'll understand. But um, hopefully the Lord will see me through this one. Who's starting to feel festive? You know, it's that time of year. Christmas isn't very far off, is it? It's that, it's that season when school nativities are taking place and work Christmas dues and trying to get secret Santas in and planning Christmas dinner. I don't know how many of you are responsible for Christmas dinner this year. Working out travel plans. Our families live across the country, so trying to work out how to see everyone and make it fair and who to see on what day. It's a bit of a technical challenge, isn't it? And then, of course, there's the Christmas shopping to be done on top of all of that. Is there anyone here who's actually finished all their Christmas shopping? Oh my gosh, everyone kind of... I thought everyone would be a little bit angry at you guys. <laughs> I feel bad. I'll be honest, we've barely started ours. Uh, in fact, we've been considering telling all of our family that their present this year is a cuddle with Robin, a little kutch time. You just hold him for a minute, enjoy that, because that's your present in full. Um, cuddle with Robin. But safe to say, it is a busy time of year, isn't it? And if we're honest, it can be quite a stressful time as well, I think. More tis the season to be busy than tis the season to be jolly for some of us. And for some of us, Christmas might actually be quite a painful time. I certainly find that in the run-up to Christmas, I tend to become a bit of a Grinch. You know, Soph absolutely loves Christmas. She starts watching Christmas movies like beginning of November. I've been coming home, she's like, oh, I watched a great Christmas movie today. I'm like, it's not even Remembrance Sunday yet, and you're watching Christmas movies. What are you doing? I just find that everything that needs to get done on this side of the 25th, just, I find it quite full on, quite stressful. I don't know about you. Get me to Christmas Day when, I can, when we can finally slow down and sit around the table with our loved ones, and I'll be a happy man. Get me to that. Last weekend, we, as uh, some of you all know, we didn't have a Sunday service here, and so Soph and I actually took the opportunity to go and get our Christmas tree, 1st of December, let's go get a tree. And we decided we were moving where the tree was going to be this year, because we haven't been spending as much time in the room we normally put it. So we went for a potted tree to put in our living room, and again, I'm going to be completely honest with you. The whole process from picking the tree, fitting it in the car, getting it home, finding a suitable pot to put it in, carrying it in and out and back in and back out multiple times before it was ready, I just had a complete sense of humor failure. And I nearly threatened to cancel Christmas in our house altogether. 
you know, Soph was stood watching me. We got home with the tree, and Soph was stood there with Robin. He had fallen asleep on her. And I don't usually lose my cool. I'd say I'm quite a relaxed person, generally speaking, but Ian the Christmas Scrooge just came out of nowhere. And I was like, Soph, I didn't even want this tree. You pick this tree. I'm just going to leave it in the garden, and you can do it when he's woken up. Let's just say it wasn't one of my finer moments. I know all of you guys are like, I don't even believe that Ian exists. <laughs> Let me tell you, he does. He reared his ugly head last weekend, but we're all forgiven. Um, the tree finally went up. We managed to find a good pot for it. It's in the living room. Soph decorated it amazingly, and the festive cheer was restored in the Douglas house. Oh. For many of us, Christmas can be a stressful time. And this year, on top of all the usual Christmas busyness, we've also got the added joy of another general election, haven't we? Just to add to all the fun. And I think it's safe to say that there is an atmosphere of confusion around this election. Confusion and frustration. You know, it's a time of huge political uncertainty. We're not quite sure who to trust with the future of our nation, where it might be going, whether or how Brexit will even happen. And if all that wasn't enough, we can't escape the growing concern for global warming and the environmental crisis in our world today. You know, we are living in uncertain times. So I think when you add up the pressures that we can feel during this season, together with the general feeling across the nation at this moment of confusion and uncertainty, I believe that more than ever, we need to take the time to reflect on what Christmas is truly all about. More than ever, we need Jesus, the Prince of Peace. That might be a term that's familiar to some of you. It comes from the traditional Bible reading that's often read at, a num at many carol services each year, the Prince of Peace. And it's from the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament, chapter 9. And we're going to be looking at this verse this morning. So if you've got a Bible with you, I'd love to encourage you to take it out. Um, we're going to be in Isaiah 9, verse 6. Uh, but if you haven't got a Bible with you, don't worry. The verses that I read today should appear on the screen behind me. So let's just take a look at that verse for a moment. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's all I'm going to read for a moment, but I'd just love to pray before we start to unpack this verse. Lord God, I thank you for your word thank you for your word that we can read this morning for the truth and wisdom that is found in these pages of scripture and we just pray this morning that you would open up our hearts and our minds to receive the truth that you have for us once again this morning for your glory amen amen if you um serve on a team here we've talked about serving on teams uh, particularly the kids team then you will know that every Sunday, all of the teams that serve in this site meet together at 10.30 a.m. at the beginning of, before the service starts, just for a chance to share um, what we're all doing in the various groups. It's amazing to hear what the mini kids are up to today, and the big kids, what youth are up to, and the various teams. And we just, we just pray for the service as a collective group of people serving on the team. We pray for what's going to happen today. And it's an opportunity for us to hear from God if there's anything in particular that 
that just he wants to do in this service that he's saying to us in the morning for the morning and it's always so encouraging for us just to take that moment to pause and spend time together as a team in the presence of God before we start the service and last week I was actually really encouraged because I received an email from someone within this community and they were just reflecting on she was just reflecting on what she felt God had been saying to us over a, a number of months actually particularly during those times when we meet before the service and she shared that that there has been a gentle stream of encouragement about God's peace that he has just been slowly feeding to us when we meet together before those services and as I read through her email it just resonated and I was like you're right that I can just recall countless times when people have said I feel like the Lord wants to release his peace over us this morning just week by week sometimes not for a few weeks but then just over time it's just been this gentle stream of his encouragement about his peace and she shared that as we draw near to him and get to know him better we get a greater understanding of his peace that as we draw near to God the spirit just fills us fills us with peace so when it came to preparing this talk this morning uh, given the time of year and what God had been saying to us as a community it was just so clear to me that this is what God wanted me to speak on and just to, to reflect on his peace this morning so let's take a look at that verse in Isaiah and today I'd like to look at three things that we can learn from it firstly a child is born a son is given and a king will reign but first, I just want to explain the context of this verse. Isaiah is speaking to the people of Israel centuries before Jesus was born. And he is prophesying about their downfall, warning them of the trouble, anguish, and darkness that they're going to face. It's bleak. But he also shares good news with them. For he declares that the people who are walking in darkness will see a great light. And that light will come in the form of a baby. Which leads me to that point number one that a child is born. This message from Isaiah is a birth announcement. You know, and it's slightly different from the types of announcements we get when a baby's born today. It's not a Facebook post or a text message that's sent after the baby's born with the, the name of the baby and the weight and the time that it was born. You know, when Robin was born this year and it was like, do I really have to, do people really care about how much he weighed? But then people have had babies since and I'm like, oh, how much was, did they weigh? I've never cared so much. Um, but it was different with this one. You know, this birth announcement didn't come after the baby was born. In fact, it came 700 years before Jesus was born. This was no ordinary birth announcement because this was no ordinary child. Many of you will know, as I've referenced multiple times, that Sophie and I welcomed our little baby boy, Robin, into the world just a few months ago. And he has turned our world upside down. It has been glorious. In the most wonderful way, he has done that. And the birth of a child, I think, is life-changing for anyone. Anyone will find it a life-changing event. And I don't doubt that Mary and Joseph, um, for them, life would have changed rapidly as well as they went from a betrothed couple to brand new parents. What a change. But the birth of Jesus didn't just change their lives. It changed the course of history as well. You know, since Robin's arrived, we have just been so blessed by people giving us gifts, whether it's family or friends. You know, some to use now and some to use further down the line. 
um, when he's a bit bigger. But just as Jesus' birth announcement was unusual, so were the gifts that he was given as well. He didn't get any blankets or baby grows or cute little rattles. Instead, Jesus was given gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I kind of feel like if we gave that to Robin, he'd probably just be sick all over it. <laughs> like, thanks. Where's the rattle? He can't speak yet, but I know that's what he'd be thinking. Um, but whilst these may seem like odd gifts to give to a baby, just like Isaiah's prophecy, they point towards the bigger story of who this child was and is. Gold because he's a king, frankincense because he's God, and myrrh to represent his sacrificial death. And this leads me on to the next part of the passage. A son is given. Isaiah declares that this baby is a gift. He is given to us. One of the best-known passages in the whole of the Bible is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. Jesus is God's gift to the world. And he didn't just give him to live on this earth. He gave him as a sacrifice who would also die on this earth. Through the sacrifice of God's one and only Son, we are brought into relationship with him. Our sins are forgiven, and we are blessed with eternal life. In the words of C.S. Lewis, the Son of God became a man to enable men to become the sons of God. I love that quote. We must remember that the Christ of the cradle came to be the Christ of the cross. I think that's so important. I love... When, we, when I was preparing this, I just found this image and I just thought, I love that. The picture of this baby being born and the cross over him. It's just a picture from Christmas to Easter. You know, we can't separate those two. They're so important to our faith, what they represent. You know, Jesus came in a manger, but he died on a cross. He grew up. He came as a baby, lived a perfect life, and died a perfect death. He came as a gift came to die so that we could be saved. That is the hope that we have. That is why we meet together here on a Sunday morning, because we have this hope in Jesus. Relationship with God here and now, and life eternal for the future. That is what gives us light in the darkness. Jesus is the gift that all of us need, and everybody out there as well. All of us need to receive the gift of Jesus. All of us. There's not a single person on this earth that doesn't need him. And it came at a huge cost to the one who gave, but it is free to all who accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. If you're here this morning and you've never invited Jesus into your life, if you haven't made that commitment to follow him in your heart, then I would encourage you to make it. And there's an opportunity to do that today. You can do it right here, right now. If you say in your heart, Jesus, I want to follow you. For some of you, it might just be a recommitment. You know you've strayed off that path. And you just want to say, Jesus, I want to walk with you again. When we ask Jesus to be Lord of our lives and we accept him as our savior, he welcomes us with open arms, like the, product, like the father of the prodigal son. He says, come home, come home. He forgives our sins and he grants us a peace like nothing else. And that's not to say that life will suddenly be easy and, and that you won't face more struggles, but in the midst of the busyness and the stress, in the midst of the, whatever pain you might be suffering at the moment or experiencing, Jesus is the light in the darkness that Isaiah prophesied. He is the one who makes all things new. 
So we see from this passage that a child is born and a son is given. And finally, a king will reign. This is the section that I want to spend the most time on this morning. The Gospel of Luke contains an account of Jesus' birth. And in chapter 2, Luke explains that it happened during the reign of Caesar Augustus. At the time, Israel, you see, at the time, Israel was under the rule of the Romans, with a Roman leader, Caesar, as the king. But as Luke explains, with the birth of this baby, there was a new king in town. A king who would introduce a new rule, a new reign, and a new kingdom, the kingdom of God. And the last line of Isaiah six, uh, 9, verse 6 says, And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And if we were to read on just a little bit further into verse 7, it says, Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it forever, with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Of the greatness of his kingdom and peace, there will be no end. Clearly, this is a different type of ruler. You know, I don't know about you, but for me, the word government makes me think of politicians and elections and laws being debated in, politi in, in parliament. It's not always a, a fun thing to think about, from, I don't think. And as I touched upon earlier, there is this sense of confusion at the moment about who we can trust. I, that's what I see in this nation, a sense of confusion. There seems to be a lack of integrity as well among many of our national leaders, with, ele with elections happening so often that the whole political system just seems like it's in complete chaos. You know, we're not meant to have elections for, I think, every five years, but it seems like we have them at least every couple of years at the moment. It seems like we're in a bit of a mess. But what I want to say, just as an aside, as I make these points about politics and, and where we're at at the moment is that I think the Bible is very clear that we should be praying for our political leaders in this nation. And I believe that as followers of Jesus, it is right that we engage with the issues today. We shouldn't just step away and, and say, you know, it doesn't matter to me. We should engage with them. I would encourage, I think we should cast our votes. You know, people have fought for years, for centuries, for us to be able to have the freedom to vote. So we should take the opportunity to do so. And we should pray for the people who do find themselves in a position to lead this nation. Whether you voted for them or not, they need the wisdom of God. So we should be praying for them as well. Pray that the Lord would reveal himself to them and that they would lead with integrity. In verse 6, Isaiah says that the government will be on his shoulders. And I feel like I was reading this verse and I just felt like, you know, this is kind of the line that I think we, all we normally just skip over. I've heard the, the first two bits and I've heard the names, but I've not really heard that many people talk about the government on his shoulders. And what does that mean for the government to be on his shoulders? Does it mean that he stood there with like all the Tory leaders just propped up on his shoulders? I don't think so. Uh, government is about leading people into the future. It's about taking responsibility, having authority, and bringing about change through power and position, the power and position that's been given. And Isaiah is prophesying that Jesus would come as a baby to rule as a king. You see, on the cross, King Jesus 
with a crown of thorns upon his head, carried our eternal destiny on his shoulders. As he bore humanity's sin, he died and then rose again from the grave, triumphing over death. He led our eternal destiny in that moment. And in Ephesians 1, Paul proclaims that God raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything. Jesus came as a baby to rule as a king. He rules above every other authority, and he rules for all time. I'm encouraged by that. And he rules with a different kind of government as well. In Jesus, we encounter a new kingdom that's led by a king that we can trust. And how do we know that we can trust him? And what kind of king will Jesus be? Well, Isaiah gives us four names for him. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. And in the ancient Jewish culture, names had meanings. So Isaac, for example, means laughter, and Noah means rest or peace. So when Isaiah is speaking the name of the coming Messiah, and he says that his names will be Mighty God and Everlasting Father and so on, he's telling us about the characteristics of the Messiah to come. So I just want to take a quick look at those four names, if you will. Firstly, he's our wonderful counselor. In James 3.17, we discover that the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Jesus embodies that kind of wisdom, and that's the kind of wisdom I want to follow. I don't know about you, I can get behind that kind of wisdom. In Isaiah's time, the people of Israel desperately needed a wise leader. After they'd had bad king after bad king, leading them away from God, leading them to despair. And they were awaiting a Messiah who would lead them into a better future. And today, we need a leader who is wise and trustworthy. If you're looking for guidance in your life, Jesus is the one that you can turn to and trust. He is your wise and wonderful counselor. Whatever your situation is this morning, you can trust in him. Through the word of God, through spending time in prayer, and with revelation through the spirit, Jesus can guide us through this life and help us navigate through the big decisions of everyday life. Secondly, he is a mighty God. Zephaniah 3.17 speaks of the Messiah who was to come, saying, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness, and he will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Jesus is the mighty one who saves. He has power and authority over all things, just as Paul said in Ephesians. And in the Gospels, we see him casting out demons, healing the sick, even raising people from the dead. You know, he had authority over those conditions. What's important here is that the power that Jesus has, his love, his kindness and goodness, it's not an overbearing power. It's not a corrupt power. He is a mighty king who at his core is good. As Mrs. Beaver says about Aslan, 
and his power in the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. Safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. And that's Jesus. He's dangerous. He's got a lot of power. He's got a lot of authority. But he's good. Third, he is an everlasting father. Now this name might be a bit of a confusing one. I was a bit stumped when I read it. Because in the Trinity, Jesus is the Son and God is the Father, right? Well, first of all, let's just be clear. Isaiah is not confusing Jesus the Messiah with the first person of the Trinity, God the Father. He's not making that mistake. In this verse, Isaiah is not referring to Jesus' role within the Godhead. Instead, it is Jesus' character towards us that Isaiah has in mind. All that a good father is, Jesus is to his people. All that a good father is, Jesus is to his people. And as the son of God, Jesus has the characteristics of his father and reveals the father to us. In John 10:30, Jesus says, I and the father are one. And in John 49, he says, anyone who has seen me has seen the father. So if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus and you'll get a pretty good idea. Read through the Gospels, as Ellie said. If you've never read the Bible before, and you want to know a bit more about what our God is like, read through the Gospels, see what Jesus is like, and you'll have a very clear picture of who God is. Jesus alone makes the Father known. And because he is like the Father, he cares for his people. You know, in Hebrew, the phrase everlasting Father could be translated as literally the father of eternity. Jesus is before, above, and beyond time. He is the possessor of eternity, and he will care about his people for all eternity, not just in the short term, but the long term. You know, as I listen to the politicians of today, I hear people sharing, and I feel like the focus is on the now without thinking about the consequences of the future, or at least their policies might speak of the future, but when it comes to fulfilling them, they fulfill the short term, and so often what was promised isn't delivered. Well, Jesus delivers exactly what he promised to us. And finally, he is the Prince of Peace. In John 14, 27, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Through relationship with Jesus, we can have peace with God. When we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit dwells within us and bears fruit, including the peace of God. And Jesus invites us to walk alongside him in this life. He offers rest to the weary. He says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. He offers us peace and rest in the midst of the challenges of life that we face. Even just this week, God has been speaking to me through that verse about um, his yoke and his light and the burden that is light. Just in my own life where I felt bogged down and just stressed at this time of year. And he said, Ian, come to me. Come and find rest in me for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. If you're struggling, then you're not doing it with me. And if you're here this morning and you're just feeling weighed down, I feel like he has the same message for you as well. Isaiah gives Jesus the name Prince of Peace because as we sang, he alone is able to restore 
every broken relationship and offer assurance of eternal life. You know, I was so encouraged as you guys led us in worship. Sometimes there's a preach, when you preach and you're, there's worship and you're just listening like, we did not talk about, I did not send you my talk and yet I'm singing these songs and it's as if you knew what I was going to say. And I was just so encouraged that we were singing that, you know, he is the one who saves. He is the only one who can do that. As I said at the start, I think that above all, at this point in time for our community and individually and for this entire nation, we need the peace of God. And Jesus offers it to us. But how do we access it? How do we access it? Firstly, by recognizing who he is and what he has done for us. And by inviting him into our lives as king and savior. We have to do that. And then by taking the time to be with him. You know, it's not enough just to say, oh, okay, Jesus, I get it. You are Lord and savior. And then not go near him for the rest of your life. You have to spend time with him. Whether it's taking the time every morning just to pray or just dwell on his word or invite his presence to be with you during the day. For some of you, it might just be going for a walk somewhere, getting out and just being with the Lord, reflecting on who he is and what he's done for you. We've got to spend time with him. And this morning, there is an opportunity to ask the Holy Spirit to fill us once again with his peace. So in finishing... Isaiah is prophesying good news. A child is born, a son is given, and a king will reign. He brings light in the darkness, clarity where there's confusion, and peace where there is worry, fear, and pain. He is good news for each of us individually, and he is also good news for the whole world. And I think it's summed up beautifully in one of my favorite carols that we sing at this time of year, Joy to the World, in which we sing, Joy to the world, the Lord has come, let earth receive her king. As this carol proclaims, the good news is here. The Lord has arrived, and now we must receive our king. We must receive him. You know, my family like to write Christmas lists and make suggestions about what we might like. You know, we don't tend to write our list to Santa these days, but we definitely write them to our parent I still write my Christmas list to my parents these are the things I need or want and I've been trying to think of anything that I might want or need this year and so far all I've come up with is one recipe book a steamer and a water bottle <laughs> and you thought soap was the sensible one I need to have a more, if anyone's got any good suggestions of what I could ask for instead to make Christmas a bit more fun, throw them my way, send me an email, drop me a text. I would love to hear, I'll put it on my Christmas list. But above all the gifts that we may receive this Christmas, Jesus is without doubt the gift that we all need the most. As I said earlier, it is freely given and freely available to all who accept Jesus. But we do have to accept the gift. We have to accept it. Imagine being given a gift card this year to spend in, a, in your favorite shop, but never actually getting around to using it. That small piece of plastic card uh, is worth nothing left in your wallet or your purse in comparison to what you could get if you redeemed it. And the person who gave it to you would have had more in mind for you when they gave it. They didn't want you to just keep this little card in their wallet. They want you to redeem it and, and 
get something you really need with it. God so loved the world that he gave us his son so that all who believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. But we have to choose to accept him. I hope you hear that from me today. We have to choose to accept him. And in order to receive him as king and receive the gift that he offers us. What does it look like to receive Jesus as our king? If you actually have the courage to say, Jesus, I truly want you in my life, in my family. Jesus, I want you to be at the center of my finances, of my friendships, of my work. Then you must be prepared to give him permission to turn your life upside down and you might be here this morning and you're hearing uh, you might be here for the first time and have no faith at all you might be here today and you've been uh, walking with Jesus for a number of years but you know that this isn't how your life looks at the moment that you've said yes to Jesus but life's just carried on as normal well from my experience your life gets turned upside down when you meet Jesus so if your life looks exactly the same as it did before you met Jesus maybe you need to meet him again. If you truly invite Jesus to be at the center of any sphere of your life, your parenting, your marriage, your money, fill in the blank, he will turn your world upside down. I can promise you that. When we invite Jesus into our lives as a king, that means that we are no longer in charge. Through relationship with him, we learn to follow his lead and surrender our own plans to his. We learn to become more like him in the way that we act, the decisions we make, and the way we treat those around us. We, when we give him permission to change us, that's when we can have the life to the full that he offers us. And that's when we can truly experience the peace that I've spoken about today. The last thing that I'd like to say is this. This week is a big week for our nation. I don't know if you agree with me. Whatever you think about politics, the outcome will shape the direction of this nation for the foreseeable future. But our eternal future, our hope, our destiny is ultimately found in Jesus. He came as a baby to rule as a king. And in doing so, he set the course of human history on a different trajectory. In the busyness of Christmas this year, may we remember that a child was born and a son was given and we have a king who reigns so if you're able to why don't you stand